0: Thank you, Vincent. Thank God that my voice is returning. I lost it on, on Friday. So glad to see all of you here, many people here. And I'm excited about this series here. It's a very key juncture of the Israel's history, the book of Ezra. So you have the Bible. Can you please turn to the book of Ezra? Altogether, there are 10 chapters, and these 10 chapters today, we're going to cover about the hearts that God moves among the various group of people. I'd like to share with you a story. Um, when I was st- studying in Singapore Poly, then, one particular uh, story that really um, motivated me and helped me a lot in my Christian faith is the This group called the Fellowship of the Burning Heart. How many of you have heard about the Fellowship of the Burning Heart? Okay, some of you have read about it. It started by this um, Sunday school teacher called Heretia Mears. She's uh, a very good teacher in the 1940s and 1950s. At that times, she was moved by the Lord to challenge a few young men for the cause of Christ. And they signed together a pledge, a commitment to come together regularly for a particular purpose. And they call themselves the Fellowship of the Burning Hearts. So under the tutorship of uh, Dr. Mears, they enthusiastically committed themselves for a few things. Number one, they want to spend each day one hour with God in prayer and study of His Word and devotional reading. One hour. Secondly, a life of personal holiness maintained by a life of self-denial and self-discipline. Thirdly, a life of obedience and faithfulness in every opportunity to witness for Christ. And lastly, an offering of oneself to be expendable for Christ. And this group, they meet together. They meet for several years. And guess what? God blessed this group, this group of men whom God used later on in a great way. Let me share with you the outcome of this group of people. One of them is Dr. Richard Helvetson. He went on to to become the pastor of the 4th Presbyterian Church of Washington and he served as a chaplain for the U.S. Senate. The next one, Louis Evans Jr. He became the pastor of National Presbyterian Church and he started the Hollywood Christian Group, a group that ministered to the Hollywood uh, actors and actresses. And then, the next one is Dr. Bill Bright. He became the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, that blessed millions with the gospel of Jesus Christ through, um, through the message and also through the Do- Jesus film. And lastly, Dr. Billy Graham, who became the world renowned evangelist that preached to millions of people across the world. That's the power of people coming together, man moved by the Lord, women moved by the Lord, they come together. And today we're going to look at the book of Ezra. There are various groups of people God touched and God moved them. And I hope that God will touch your lives too as we study this book together. Today we're just going to cover chapter 1. Why do we study the book of Ezra that records the history of Israel? Why do we want to study the history of Israel since today we are living in Singapore? Thanks. These things happen according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. These things, what happened to the Jews, what happened to the nation of Israel, they serve as an example for us. They were written down to warn us to live who live at the end of the age. In other words, what happened to the people of God in Israel? It's an important lesson for all of us. And God is continually working in the nation of Israel up to today, and He will continue his work there. Let me just give you some background so that you will understand. Right from the beginning, God chose Abraham. And God said, I will make a covenant with you. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless your descendants. And to you, you're going to form into a nations, And to the nations, you're going to bless the whole world. So he made them from nomads later on into a big tribe of people Went into Egypt as slaves and then into a great nation. And when they formed, they went into the promised land. On the way there, God made a covenant with them. God said, If you remain obedient to me, faithful to me, I will bless you. However, if you are disobedient to me, if you go into idolatry, you worship other gods there will be judgment that calls upon you. And the worst judgment of all is exile. In other words, you will be deported from your own country into the foreign land. And this is what it was prophesied in Deuteronomy chapters, chapter 28. Prophecy of captivity. Let me, read Let me read to you. And it shall come to pass that if you do not obey the voice of God, your the Lord, your God, to carefully observe Carefully to observe carefully all his commandments. The Lord will bring to you and the king who set over you a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. The Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you, to bring you to to you nothing. You shall be plucked off from off the land. The Lord will scatter you from all peoples. This this happened hundreds of years. before even they enter, before even they started to become a nation, God already prophesied about this thing going to happen. And guess what? The people of the, the Jewish people, they went into the promised land, they prospered, God prospered them, but they were disobedient to the Lord. And they turned their back against the Lord and they worshiped other gods. And God waited, waited, and God was patient with them for 400 years. Finally, the judgment came. God used the empire of Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. He ransacked that place, deported the people. It was the darkest period of the people of God. Just imagine yourself, let's say today, Singapore. I could think of the closest country the same distance as Israel with Babylon would be Thailand. Okay, If you are Thai, forgive me if I use this as an illustration. Just an example. Thai invaded Malaysia, and then invade Singapore. And take some of you from Amokyo, go all the way to Bangkok, and some of you from Clementi. Some of you stay at Clementi, I stay at Clementi. All the way to Hapjai. And some of you at Bedok. Go all the way to further north. Chiang Mai. Scatter you everywhere, and then bring people of Thailand, and then they bring people from Malaysia, people of Indonesia, people of Philippines, those countries that they have conquered. They bring them down all the way to Singapore. They jumble up everything. That's what happened to the people of Israel for seventy years. But seventy years coming, as it comes to a close, something is brooding. People are there was excitement somewhere that something is going to happen. Let me read to you in Deuteronomy chapter thirty. A prophecy of restoration. The same book that prophesies that they're going to be exiled, there's a prophecy that they're going to be restored. It shall come to pass when these things have come upon you and you return to the Lord and you obey His voice, the Lord will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. God promised, I'm going to bring you back. How long? Jeremiah 29. It says, next one. After 70 years, exactly 70 years, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts I and think about you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And a hope. And there were rumors everywhere. Started, I believe, from Babylon, by this man called Daniel. Daniel has served, he's one of the exiled, he was served under the various kings, and now he's Babylon. Perhaps he was near his 80s, very old already. He read the book of Jeremiah. He knew that 70 years about to come. He began to pray, and he fasted. And he looked around. I believe Jeremiah could have influenced the king then. The king's name then was King Cyrus. King Cyrus, with whom he served under, he could have shared this prophecy of Jeremiah with him. And he and it was excited. And true enough, the people returned. There was an edict. That's what Ezra chapter one is all about—a decree to allow people to come back. Let me just put into a chart form so that you can you can see together um, this history of Israel. It's is very interesting to understand. Our faith is not a faith that is based on rumors or or or, 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 or 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 legends, but based on historical fact. Historical fact, exact fact about the land of Israel. The people of Israel, they were deported three times. The first deportations, Daniel was in it 600 BC. And then the second deportation came, and then Prophet Ezekiel was deported. And then the third deportation, that's when Jeremiah was together, went. That's what happened the three deportations. And then the country Babylon fell to the Empire of Persia. Empire of Persia. And this Empire of Persia allowed them to come back. There were three returns. There were three deportations, three groups of people managed to return. The first return, when they come back to rebuild the temple, it was led by Jerubabal. Jerubabel is a leader, and that was recorded in Ezra chapter 1, verse chapter 1 to chapter 6. And the prophet was prophet that was serving there was Prophet Haggai and Zechariah. And then next, there was a gap. In between the book, there was a gap. That's when the history of Esther, the book of Esther. And then there was a second return. This time led by Ezra, the priest. And there was in recorded in chapter 7 to chapter 7, chapter 10. They restore back the, the law. And then there was a third return by Nehemiah. He came back to restore the land, they built the wall. So This is the history. And if you look at this carefully, there were exactly historical dates. And if you calculate carefully, exactly 70 years, God had promised them to return. And to give you a good idea about the three books that talks about this period of time, Ezra chapter 1 to chapter 6 talks about the restoration by Jeroboam. That's what I mentioned. They restore back the temple. Then there was a time gap. A time gap that's when the book of Esther came. And then Ezra chapter seven, verse, chapter seven to 10, talked about reformations by Ezra. And then came Nehemiah. These are the three historical books of the time, post-exilic. And then let's give you a quick overview about the book of Ezra. Chapter one to six talks about restoration of the temple led by. Zerubbabel, the first return, served under two kings, King Cyrus, King Darius. It happened 22 years. It took them 22 years to rebuild the temple. You want to know why? Come next week. Joanne will share with you. Um, And subsequently, Edwin will share with you. And then chapter 7 to 10, reformation of the people by Ezra. That's when the second return served under the king, Artaxerxes, and it happened only one year. So this will give you a good overview about the book. Just as God moves various ones in the book of Ezra, particularly Ezra chapter 1, God at the same time is moving around the world. For men and women, for people like you and I, both believers as well as pre-believers, and we all have a choice to make whether to follow him or don't follow him. And today I want to share with you three groups of people that God moves. First of all, God moves the heart of a pagan king. That is King Cyrus. If you have the Bible, you can turn to Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. If not, then you can read up and talk there. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realms and put it into writing. This proclamation is allowed the people of, of Israel, the Jews, to come back. Come back. Who is this King Cyrus? King Cyrus. He's called the Cyrus the Great. He's a very great, he's called the, uh, Cyrus the Great, the powerful king of Persia. The Persian Empire came after the Assyrian Empire, after the Babylonian Empire, then came this Persian Empire. He was a very wise king. He's not a believer of God, Jehovah. But he is a wise and tolerant ruler. He was able to gain good wills from the various people that he conquered by allowing some religious freedom. Why this particular decree? His desire is to create buffer uh, buffer states so that people will become loyal to him. So he allowed his subjects to return, resettle back to their home country and hope that when they pray to their gods, their gods will bless him. That is from his perspective. From his perspective, he desires for this kind of uh, blessing. On the surface, he seems to be a politically wise person. But behind the scene, actually, all these actions were moved by the Lord, were moved by God. Why is it so? Why is it so? Because 200 years, 200 years before Cyrus was born, his name was already been mentioned in the Bible by the prophet Isaiah. Let me read to you Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. Years, uh, 200 years before he was born, it was already mentioned, I am the Lord who says of Cyrus. At that time, Persian was not an empire. They were very small. But God already mentioned this particular guy called Cyrus. He is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. It will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundation be laid. When Isaiah prophesied over this, the people were still in Israel. Okay? The people were still in Israel. It's like somebody come to you and say that, uh, let's rebuild the... What is the iconic place, Singapore? Okay. Let's... I don't want to say the the, the National (laughs) Theatre... How about the inexistent Let's say the, the, the statue of uh Stanford Raffles. Okay, somebody say let's rebuild it, but it makes no sense because it's still there. Why do we need to rebuild what you're talking about here? The temple of God was still there when this was made. And his name, Cyrus, was specifically mentioned three times in the book of Isaiah. It shows what? It shows God's sovereign hand. God is at work all the time throughout history. He can choose to use you, he can choose to use anyone, he can choose to use your boss, your principal, anyone. He can choose to to do that. And Cyrus is a pagan king. He worshipped many different gods and Jehovah God is not one of them. And yet, if you look at his decree, he acknowledges that it is God's hand that has been blessing him. Let me read to you. Ezra chapter one verse two to four. This is what maybe you can help me. Let's you help me to read together. Shall we? One, two, three. This is what Cyrus, the king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of He has pointed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people around you, may his God be with him. Let him go to Jerusalem in Judea and build the temple of God, the The God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place, the survivors so are now, even tries to provide him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and free will offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. He made this decree interesting. He made this allow these people. I believe. Most probably, it was the influence of Daniel. Daniel was serving in Cyrus' courts. Daniel, I believe, we have read Jeremiah, he have showed him. And then Daniel could have read Isaiah and show him, by the way, king, your name is mentioned here, even before you were born. And if you look carefully at this verse here, if you look at the Bible, the Lord Lord, L-O-R-D, here I I, I, really, I copy over. I didn't make properly. Is Lord is L O R D Lord? Here is referred to Jehovah. He even mentioned the specific name of Jehovah God, and he called him the God of heaven, pointing to God's sovereignty over heaven and earth. And he said, "What well, this Jehovah God has given me and appointed me, all the kingdoms." He understood the sovereign work of God. And then, he make it his personal mission to help the Jews to rebuild the temple. To help the Jews to rebuild the temple. And it's a very humbling act. Why? He is a king. He is a reigning king. Therefore, his God should be number one. Correct? But here he's acknowledging another nation, his subjects, God. And allowing them to go back. And it's also a very risky thing. Because right now, if the Jews are able to go back, they have a center point, a rallying point to cause a rebellion. That is the temple of God. But he allowed it to to happen. Perhaps you think it's a political move, but deep inside its heart, I think, I believe it is a sovereign work of God. And not only that, let me read to you Ezra chapter 1, 7 to 11. Shall we just read together? Maybe you can help me. One, two, three, moreover. 5,400 5, articles of gold. These belongs to the temple of God. But because they were disobedient, all the articles were brought to, Jerusalem, uh, to brought to Babylon. And now they allowed them to come back. All these religious articles were taken then to show that there's a victory over the conqueror's God. The conqueror's God's victory over the conquered gods. So it's a sign of victory. But now, he's giving them back. That's an amazing offer given by Cyrus. He said, you can go back. You can go back. You can go back. Why is it so? It's a sovereign hand of God that is working throughout history. We worship such a God, a God that can move anybody's heart. The king's heart is like channels of water. God can direct it. And I was trying to look back at history. Besides Cyrus, who could be in a history... um, people who can, like a modern-day Cyrus. So I do an internet search, and I think, I found two names came up. One is Winston Churchill. He was a right man, raised at the right time, to defeat the Nazis. The Nazis want to conquer conquer the, the world then. And one of their aims is also to destroy the Jews, to exterminate the Jews. But God miraculously raised Winston Churchill. He is not a religious man, but somehow he seems to think that there is a destiny. He is raised for such a time as like this. And because of his leadership, England was able to fight back Germany. And through him, his leadership, and the Allied, it, it ended the war. And that's a modern day example of modern day um, Cyrus. And another person who claimed to be the modern day Cyrus, he was a, a president of America, Harry Truman. He's a uh, the president that recognized the nation of Israel. And Israel, 1948, Israel once more, they were scattered everywhere. There was no land, but miraculously they came back and then they fought the war and then they managed to have their own land. And the president that gave them the the so-called the recognition that helped them to establish as a nation, Harry Truman. And he called if I'm not wrong, he called himself the modern day Cyrus. So God can move leaders in the same way. Also, as you look at your workplace, those of you who are working, you might think that, Allah oh, this place very godless, or there's no God. There's no opportunity." Who knows? God is working there in the lives of your, in the hands of your, your boss, secretaries, various ones, or those of you in the school, in the principal. In among your teachers, God is working behind the scenes. And he has his timing. You may not know. But God can move these people. God can change them. So that's a first group of people. God moves the hearts of the pagan king. Secondly, God moves the hearts of the leaders. The leaders. Ezra chapter 1, verse 5. Then the family hates of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests, and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. The first group of people is what the family hates. These are the fathers. The fathers. The fathers first felt the stirring of the Lord and they responded to the decree. God moved their heart. It is a very risky thing. It is one thing to decide for yourself when I was a bachelor then for me to go into the mission field or for me to go anywhere, no problem. I'm only responsible for myself. Yes, I have my mom to take care of, but I have my siblings to help to take care too, but basically, I'm thinking about myself. But if you are the head of the family, it's a different matter altogether. You don't just decide for yourself, you have to make decisions based on your your, your family members, your wife, your spouse. Your children, it's a lot more at stake here. And if you are right, great, praise the Lord. Everyone enjoy your blessing. But if you are wrong, you can suffer alone, but your children and your spouse may suffer together with you. That's a big risk. But then, the family hit. They decided that, no, I want to follow the Lord. Take note, just now I give you the illustrations Singapore has been exiled, conquered by Thailand. Some of you may go all the way up to Chiang Mai. And you have a good family, you have a good house, and you have settled down there for 70 years, you have built up. And, and people who grow up there, they are the second generations. Your parents who have been exiled pass away, and you grow up under that circumstances. You have little ties with Singapore. You might speak a little bit of Singlish But most of the time, you speak Thai. Okay? And then your family. You might marry a Thai wife, or maybe your family is good. You marry a fellow Singaporean neighbors, and you've established yourself. You're comfortable up there. Chiang Mai, very nice weather. And then suddenly you hear a decree. You can go back to Singapore. Huh? Where? Huh? Singapore. Singapore. And then you have to decide on behalf of your family, Go back to Singapore. Would you go back? Would you go back? Okay. Some of you look very blur. Some of you look very hesitant. Some, most probably, most will not go back. Because I have settled down here. And I go back, I got no land. I got no land. I do not know where I'm going to live. Whether will I be accepted. Secondly, it is My family is at stake. And I'm going to live in a foreign land, but what pulled them back is not just the geographical uh, nation. What pulled them back is their belief in Jehovah God, that God is going to take care of them. The center of worship is Jerusalem. The temple of God needs to be rebuilt. Their faithfulness towards God stirs in their hearts And then they go. When the fathers go, so does the family. And the father's heart will move by the Lord and God blessed them. God blessed them. So as fathers, today I'm going to share with you as fellow fathers, if you are fathers here, it's a good message for us. As fathers, we need to know the heart of God. And when God moves, yes, it's a big risk. It's a big risk because we have to decide for our family but if you take the step of faith, knowing that this is what God wants you to do, God is going to bless you, God is going to bless your family. Just as God has blessed the people of God then. And then the second group of people, the leaders, first is the family leaders, the father, then it's the spiritual leaders. It's mentioned there, the priests and the Levites. The priests and the Levites, they were moved by the Lord to go back. And as leaders here in our church Pastors, the elders, deacons, the teachers, the CGLs, the leaders at every level, a small group here and there, you too, you and I, also have the privilege and the responsibility to hear from the Lord and to respond to God. And God is going to lead us, just as God has led our church. Let me just recap how God led our church to start a work there at Teban Garden. It started in 1993 way back that is the time when um, Pastor Kok Fai our senior pastor he started off this project West site uh, when he works in the HGB then he gets a burden towards working among the so called the unfortunate the needy in the society later on after coming back from Hong Kong in 1999 he took over the project Love that is to help, back then, it's MCDS kids, children from uh, single moms, children with, uh, with um, handicapped children. And we want to do community work to bless the community. And later on, in 2002, two years later, 2001, PPH, we started this help fund. And then we took over 50 cases of the needy families and they begin to have an experience of what it means to go there. And then the Lord begin to pray. And then uh, the, the, the people, the leaders begin to pray. Pastor Kok together with the elders, to the leaders. Say, God, are you bringing us to bless a specific group of community? And God led them to Teban Garden. And after a season of prayer for almost one year, finally the leaders moved by the Lord, say, Yes, we are going there. We are going there. And in September 2002, we make a decisions to go to Teban Garden. And now we are there for 10 years, ministering to the communities there. It was a big faith. Risky. Because our church size is not very good. Not very big, no. Not very good. Not very big then. And then we have to bless. We, we, we don't have a Chinese congregation then. And we are all Ang speaking, English speaking. And then we have to minister to the Chinese speaking and then to sustain the center, we need to raise from within our midst four, three to four full-time uh, people who are social workers who can go there to work. It was a big risk, and we know nothing. But God led us and the leaders responded, and through them, we are able to bless until today, we see the grace of God as we obey God's moving, God's calling. So, God moves the hearts of the pagan leaders. God moves the hearts of the leaders, starting from the fathers and then the leaders in our midst. And finally, God moves the hearts of his people, the people in general. If you have the Bible, if you look at Ezra chapter 2, I don't have it on the slides. Ezra chapter 2, verse 64. Altogether, how many people responded? How many people? including servants and women and children, 50,000 people responded to the Lord's moving. They packed their bags, they sold their house, they say goodbye. They literally sell their house. Why? Because they are not coming back. They say goodbye to Bangkok. That's it. They say goodbye to Chiang Mai. That's it. I'm, not, I'm going home. They say goodbye they packed their bags, they left something familiar to totally unfamiliar, they journeyed down, they walk down from Bangkok, they walk all the way down to Singapore. By the way, there's a distance between Jerusalem and and Baghdad. I I I went to check. Around the same distance. You walk down. It uh, if you look at Ezra, the second part it took them four months. Maybe the whole big group, it's not easy, you cannot walk very fast. The whole big group they have brought maybe they brought their cattle and they just moved down. It's a long journey, treacherous journey. And that's not a big group. They, they guess probably around 1% to 2% of the people of Israel that was exiled came back. The other 99 say, no, no, I'm staying back. 98% or 99% say back. The rest, I, I'm staying back. Only this group of people, they came back with the idea that they're going to worship the Lord, to come back to the people of God the land of the Lord. And that's the choice. Not easy. Not easy choice. But God moved them and God challenged them. I also think about another um, family in our midst who responded to God's call, who were moved by the Lord, um, uproot their family and go and live in a foreign land uh, I'm sure you heard some sharing here and there by brothers Singing and Trent. I think his his son is here, right? Joseph is here. Yes, <clears throat> you can ask Joseph to share next time. I, I asked him over the phone. I say that how the Lord moved you to go and minister at uh, in Philippines. He said it started in way back in 1987. He went with the first mission trip in our church, went to Philippines. And then from there, at there he saw the slum. Well, uh, Sigin shared that he lived in a, uh, a place that was a bit poor in, in, uh, in KL. But compared the poor in KL with the poor in the Philippines then, and the smoking mountains, the, the, the trash, where people had stayed in the trash. He said it was nothing. Seeing the poor really opened his eyes to see the needy there. He came back, by the way, in the same mission trip, was Trent, his wife-to-be. And then they met there, and then they got married in 89. And after that, every two years, they would go back to Philippines for mission trips. And after praying, they felt that the Lord is moving their hearts. It's time to pack their bags to go. And then in 95, he quitted his job, went to Bible school. He came back, served in our church for one and a half years, In 1998, they decided to move. I say, it singing. What were the costs involved when you have to move? He say, um, the costs involved is their careers. His wife is a doctor. He works in HR. Their careers have to put on hold, and maybe they are not really sure when they come back. And then they have two children, one age seven, one age six. How about their educations? Uh, Joseph is here, Joseph was six then. How about their educations? What about their future? What about their safety? Are they where are going to study? And then they have their parents, non, non-believers to take care of. Difficult to explain to them. Particularly him as a, as a husband, how to explain to Chuan's uh, family about them going. But they felt the Lord was leading them. And they moved. They packed their bags They went there. They served there for seven years. And while they were there, two, two years later, they started Care Channel a ministry that ministered to the poor to give them a livelihood project. And today, Care Channel office is downstairs. And Care Channel is ministering to six countries, Philippines, China, Indonesia, Pakistan, Timor-Leste, and Bangladesh. Because of a man's, a father's obedience, family were blessed, the children were back. And you have heard his story before, how God has blessed the children in the past. Here's an example of a man's heart moved by the Lord, together with the family, they move, they relocate, and God blessed them. And God not only moved the people of God, He even moved the next group of people, he even moved the, the others. Let me read to you, very interesting, Exodus chapter 1 verse 6. All their neighbors, all their neighbors, not just some, all neighbors, assisted them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with valuable gifts in addition to all the freewill offerings. These could be fellow Jews and these also could be Gentiles, non-Jews. They give willingly. Why? God moved their hearts. They give gold. How many of you have given gold to someone besides your relatives or your... We don't give gold to anybody. <laughs> okay? Except maybe next time you go older, you will, your children get married, you give gold, or you give to your parents. You don't give gold. You don't give gold to your neighbors. Hello, this gold is for you. <laughs> you don't do that. But these people, when they were moved by the Lord, God moved them. They gave, they gave. Some of them could be serving other gods. Who was Jehovah? But they still gave. God moved their hearts. And we're senior you today. Various groups of people, God moves. And God is still moving today among the leaders, among the fathers, among the people of God, among the pre-believers. The key thing is, what are you going to do? Are you going to respond to God's call? Or are you going to just reject it? The main issue is in your heart. I want to ask you, what is God stirring in your heart today? In your family? In your workplace? In your school? In your surrounding? In your community? What is God stirring in your heart? Is that stirring just a, um, a small stirring that comes maybe because you have too much, you have, eaten, you have, you have ate too much to supper last night? or is, it, is a, Or is it a constant stirring in your heart that I think, I need to do something. If it's a constant stirring, take it most probably, God is speaking to you. The question today is, are you going to respond to God's stirring? Or are you going to sit back and not going to do anything? If God is stirring in your heart, I encourage you today, respond to Him. Respond to Him. And say, yes God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to, what, what risk I'm going to take. But God, I'm going to go by faith. I'm going to go by faith and see you working. And see you working. The nation of Israel today, the fact that they can be a nation today, is a testimony of the people of God who responded back then. How many years ago? Hundreds of years ago, a people of God in the book of Ezra. They were the first group of people who came back and through them they multiplied. To the Jews today, in the nations, and to the people of God here, and that's when Jesus Christ came. That's when Jesus Christ came, the whole land of God, the people of God. Then. So today, if the Lord is speaking to you, do not hesitate. It's time to respond. I'd like to invite the musicians. I give us some time to ponder. Where you are, just spend some time to ponder in your, what is God stirring in your heart? If the Lord is stirring something, and today you say, Lord, I want to respond by faith to your stirring in your heart, in my heart. If that's your heart's desire, I invite you to come forward. I want to pray with you, okay, I want to pray with you, and the leaders want to pray with you as you respond to the Lord stirring in your heart. Whatever it is, is between you and the Lord, what God is stirring in your hearts. Shall we just rise as we respond with this song? And as we sing this song, if you felt that you want to respond to the Lord stirring in your heart, please invite you to come forward so that we can pray together with you. is open if you want to respond feel free to come forward do so- for the Lord and ask the Lord Lord what are you stirring in our hearts ask the Lord "What, what are you moving around me how are you moving how can I join you ask the Lord for his courage his faith to join in God, God is working in our midst. Let us pray together. I believe, Father, we praise you because you are a sovereign God. You are working. You are constantly working in the world, in the worst sin. We may not see your hands, but we know that God, you are working. And I pray that God, whatever the situations or circumstances we are in, that God, we will recognize that you are moving. And I pray that God, you open our eyes of faith, to see how What are you doing around us so that we can join you? And I pray also, Father, for a heart of faith and obedience. When you keep stir in our hearts to do certain things that God, you want us to do, that God, we will have that faith to believe in you. That when we take the step of faith, you are going to bless us. The nation of Israel. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. And we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Ha <laughs> ha.